Good morning again, church. It's good to see you. Thank you again for being here. Uh, so my daughter turned four recently. She's going to start preschool in the fall. And until then, we are doing some activities at home with her to help prepare her, working on numbers, working on letters, things like that. She has some little activity sheets that she does during the week. And so uh, a couple weeks ago, we handed her a maze sheet, and she was working on it. She finished it. She raised her hand. She said, I win. Good job. Bring it over here. And she brought it over here, and I looked at it. I looked closer at the maze. I said, no. Now, Lydia, tell me about what, what are all these extra marks on the maze? And she said, those are the doors. <laughs> when I got stuck here, I drew a door, went through the door. I got stuck over here again, so I drew another door, kept going. And there was maybe six or seven doors in the maze. Uh, so she, she doesn't always follow the rules, but she's a problem solver, right? Um, so this morning, we're talking about a character, Joshua, who God gives some very specific instructions. He says, I specifically, Joshua, want you to lead my people through the Jordan River. Now, I don't want you to draw a door on the maze and go over this way. I don't want you to detour and, and try to go this way and make it on your own. I don't want you to build a bridge and go over it. I want you to specifically bring my people through the Jordan River to Jericho. And when you get there, I want you to walk around it seven times. He gives some very God-given specific path instructions to Joshua. And Joshua is going to learn a lot about courage along this path. And that's the theme that we're going to focus in on this morning. So if you have a bulletin, you want to take some notes. Um, if you want to have a uh, Bible in front of you, you can turn to Joshua chapter 1. But we're going to focus in on the theme of Christian courage, how that's different from worldly courage, and why it's important for us today in 2023 to be courageous Christians. So Joshua chapter one, verse one starts off this way. And it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, it must've sounded like that. Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise and go over the Jordan. You and all this people into the land that I am giving to them to the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And just as I was with Moses, so I will also be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you, so be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my, sa my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So the first point for us this morning about Christian courage is this, is that Christian courage is rooted in God's presence. Christian courage is rooted in God's presence. Now, we have moved on to a new section of 
the Bible and our Bible reading plan. We've come to Joshua, and we're going to start talking about prophets and priests and kings. And here at the very beginning of this new section of the Bible, who's the first person that speaks? Who's the first person that we see? It's God. God stands up. He decides he's going to continue to bless his people, and he speaks to Joshua. This reminds us that God is always the one who is pursuing us. He is always the one who makes the first move. His goodness is always running after us. As it says in 1 John, we love because he first loved us. Our God is one who is constantly pursuing us with grace. And so after the death of Moses, God raises up a new leader so that he can continue to bless his people. Now, if you remember with Moses, the covenant that God made with him was to expand his number to be their God and to give them land to live in. And he had fulfilled the first part of those promises, but the last one about the land was going to be fulfilled through Joshua. And so he tells him, this is the way that I want you to go, through the river, around the city seven times, and this is the land that I am going to give to you and to my people. But he gives one command to Joshua. He says, this one thing is going to be very, very important for you along the way. Did you catch it? He repeated it three different times in this section. And just like with teachers and parents, if you repeat yourself over and over and over, it's the same way with God. If he repeats himself over and over, he wants us to understand this. He says, be strong and courageous. He says in verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause his people to inherit the land. Then in verse 7, it says, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to the law. And then in verse 9, it says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So he says, Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous. And the reason why you need to be strong and courageous is because I will be with you the whole time. I was thinking about courage this week. I was thinking about some fears, some common things that people dislike. And so here's some things about me. I, uh, I don't like snakes. Anybody else there with me? I don't like snakes. I think if you read the uh, beginning of Genesis, it's pretty clear that I have a correct view of snakes. We should avoid them. Right? Uh, I also don't love heights. Um, flying doesn't bother me, but being on the side of a big, tall building or a mountain or something like that is not my favorite. So I don't like snakes. I don't like heights. And one more thing that's a little different is I don't love medical things. I don't love hospitals, needles, blood surgeries, things like that. So you can imagine how much help I was when both of our children were born. Um, I was not, it was not my finest moment, right? She had a chair. I had a chair. She had her nurses, I had my nurses. I'm just, <laughs> she had her ice chips, I had my ice chips. Just. And so this week I had a, uh, a doctor's appointment. And I already don't love, I love doctors, but I don't love going to uh, doctor's appointments. I was a little bit nervous about going. I was a little bit nervous about the results that I was going to get. And so my wife, she picked up on it, and she very kindly said, hey, if you want me to go with you, to the appointment this week. I'll go with you. I'll sit with you. I'll wait in the waiting room, whatever you need. It was a very nice offer of her to do that. And maybe you've been in that situation before. Maybe you've been scared about going to a doctor's appointment, and so you've had a loved one come with you. Maybe you had a child or a grandchild that needed a shot, and so you held their hand as they received 
that shot. Maybe you helped drive a friend to a big job interview or something that they were scared about or study with a friend before a big test. Why is that? Why, why do we offer that? It's because we know that if we are in the presence of a loved one, it gives us courage. And so we as Christians, we are always in the presence of a loved one. We always have God by our side. Our Emmanuel, our God with us, is always with us. Jesus said to his disciples, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so if you trust in me, you will have the Holy Spirit inside of me. And if that's true, if we are always in the presence of our loved one, that we can be strong and courageous too, just like Joshua. For God is always with us, that we can be courageous Christians. And so our courage doesn't come from our own abilities or our own accomplishments. That's worldly courage. Worldly courage is based on your own abilities, your own accomplishments, your own intellect. But Christian courage comes from knowing that God loves you and God is with you always. And so that's our first point this morning, is that Christian courage is rooted in God's presence. The second point is this, is that Christian courage is essential for God's mission. Christian courage is essential for God's mission. Our story goes on in Joshua chapter 2, and it says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came to the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab, and they lodged there. Now, if you remember, when Moses was in charge, he sent some spies ahead of him. He actually spent, sent 12 spies ahead of him to go and spy in the land of Canaan and come back and report. And if you remember, 10 of them came back and they were scared. They said the people are too big, too strong. And two of the spies said, God's on our side, let's go. If he is with us, we can do this. One of those spies that came back and reported that was Joshua. Now Moses is dead, Joshua's in charge. Joshua decides, I'm gonna send spies ahead again. But this time, instead of sending 12, he sends two. And he probably chose two that were full of courage and full of faith, just like he was on his mission so many years ago. And he sends two spies ahead of him to Jericho, and he says, go and spy on the city of Jericho, because that is where God is taking us. And so they come, and they take refuge in Rahab's house, which is not someone that we expect to see in this story. She's a Gentile. She's a prostitute. This is not somebody that we would expect to be on the side of God's people and provide a safe space for them. And so the story goes on in verse 12. It says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will do, deal kindly with my father's house. And give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives in, from death. And the men said to her, Our life for yours, even to death, if you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. So Rahab said to uh, the spies, hey, I've heard about your God. I've heard about what he can do. And so if you come and take over this city, will you remember this kind gesture that I'm showing to you now? Please come and save me and my family when your God delivers this whole city to you, because I know that your God cannot be stopped. She, so, she shows some faith here. 
And then she sets them free, sends them on their way. They go back, and it says in verse 23, Then the two men returned. They came down from the hills, passed over, and came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they told him all that had happened to him. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. So the spies, they come back to Joshua, and they told Joshua, let's go. If God is on our side, we can do this. And they needed that attitude if they were going to succeed in taking over Jericho because Christian courage is essential for God's mission. Their mission at first was to go into the promised land, take over Jericho, and they needed courage to do that. But when they realized after meeting Rahab that God wanted to save sinners— from Jericho, they realized that they were on a much bigger and a more important mission than they thought. See, at first they thought their mission was just to go in and take over the city. Then they realized that their God had an even bigger, grander vision, and that was to save sinners from every nation and tribe and tongue. And that is the mission that our God calls us into today in 2023. He calls us into this mission. He shows us his heart for all the nations. And he says, Christian courage is essential for this mission that I'm giving to you today. Because it can be intimidating to share our faith. It can be awkward to bring up Jesus in conversation. It can be scary to get on a plane and go on a mission trip. But if you know that God loves you and God is always with you, then you can courageously participate the mission of God today. We set up a new display in the Welcome Center at the beginning of the year called Who's Your One? And so maybe today God's calling you to consider who is your one, who is one person in your life who's far away from God but close to you that you can love, that you can pray for, that you can share a meal with, that you can serve, that you can share the gospel with. Who is your one? Maybe this morning God is calling you to think in a new way about how you can participate in his mission. You know, all throughout the year, every year, we have multiple different mission trips going out, and God isn't calling every single person in here to go on one of these trips, but he is calling you to participate in some way. Maybe it's praying, maybe it's giving, maybe it's going. And so maybe this year, God is calling you to pray for our Anaheim trip coming up in a couple of weeks as we go and we serve Sam No and we try to share the gospel in greater Los Angeles. Maybe God's calling you to pray every single day for the team as they go. Maybe God's calling you to give to our mission trip this summer in June with sending our students out to Asheville. And as they serve the homeless ministry there, and as they share their faith, maybe God is calling you to sponsor one of those kids going on that trip. Or maybe God's calling you to go. In July, on our mission trip to Panama, as we serve IMB career missionaries, they're serving the Lord, sharing the gospel, planting churches in Panama City, Panama. Maybe God's calling you to reconsider and think about going to that. Whatever it is, God is calling you to participate in his mission, and Christian courage is essential for that mission. All right, our third point this morning is that Christian courage impacts the next generation. Christian courage impacts the next generation. We've made it through Joshua 1 and 2, and now we're in chapter 3. And it says in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. Now, remember at the beginning, remember the maze instructions? 
He said, Joshua, I'm going to put a maze before you, and you have to follow this. You can't draw any doors in there, just like Lydia Huftland did. you got to follow the specific path. Okay, I want you to go through the, the Jordan River. I'm going to explain how that, we're going to do that later, but this is the path. I want you to go through the Jordan River, and I want you to come to Jericho, and I want you to walk around Jericho until I give you that city. So here they are. They've made it to the Jordan River, and it says in verse 6, And Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And then verse 13 says this, And when the soles of their feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant, and the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So in the first couple of chapters of Joshua, we've seen a lot of parallels between him and Moses, the former leader. And this is another one. They're both God-chosen leaders, and they're going to lead their people through a body of water into the promised land. And when they go and step out in faith, God will cut off the water, and he will make dry land before them, and God will be present with them the whole way through. Just like Moses led his people through the Red Sea, out of slavery, into the promised land, Joshua is going to lead his people through the Jordan River into this new land. And so it says in Joshua chapter 4, verses 5 through 7, it says, And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. And when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. So Joshua says to the people, hey, we're about to walk through the Jordan River. God is going to dry up the land in front of us. And as we go, I want one volunteer from every tribe to pick up a stone from the middle of the Jordan River and carry it to the other side. And when we get to the other side, we're going to make this memorial. If you've ever been out hiking Maybe on the side of a mountain, you've seen this rock formation that it looks very clear that somebody else has hiked this path before and they've left these stones stacked up. This is what Joshua is saying to his people. I want every person from every, I want one person from every tribe to pick up a stone. So we're going to have 12 of them. And when we make it to the other side, we're going to set up this little memorial. And why are we going to do that? He says, so that when your kids, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, they're playing down by the river. And they see this rock formation. They're going to come home to you. And they're going to say, Dad, what's, what's that rock formation down by the river? And then you're going to be able to say to them, that is when God dried up the river for us. He performed a miracle for us, and he led us into this land. So what does this teach us? What does this have to do with us today in 2023? This teaches us that Christian courage impacts the next generation Christian courage impacts the next generation. We have a uh, playground in our neighborhood, and a couple weeks ago, 
I rode our, our bikes down with our kids, and we went down to the playground, and we were playing. And uh, for whatever reason, we were by ourselves. Usually there's a lot of kids there. But that day we arrived, there was nobody there. So they just started playing. And then these kids from the neighborhood, a couple doors down from us, they started riding their bikes down to the playground. I saw them coming, and I knew their reputation because I've seen them before at the playground, and they're pretty rough kids. So I said to my son, hey, these kids are coming. You don't have to play with them. You can keep playing with your sister. It's up to you. They're, they're pretty rough. We've, we've seen them before. We've played with them before. And he said, no, Dad, that's okay. I'm going to go Christian them. <laughs> I said, okay, you're going to go Christian them? Yeah, I'm going to go Christian them. <laughs> okay. And so in a very you know, sweet six-year-old un- understanding way, he was saying, I'm going to go play with them like Jesus would. I'm going to go try to share my faith with them the best I can and show them about what it means to be a Christian. You see, he, he has that understanding because he sees his mom and dad trying to invite people to church, trying to share our faith, going on mission trips, things like that. And I'm not saying that we are the best examples of this in any way, but it's something that he sees our faith being lived out. And because of that, he thinks this is normal. And so we're seeing even in our own family how courage can impact the next generation. Now today, our students are facing temptations and pressures that no generation has ever faced before. I think it's more challenging today in 2023 to be a teenager than any year ever before in human history. They have an incredible amount of temptation right there in their palm, on their their smartphones. They're facing new pressures from the culture to make compromises in all kinds of different ways. And so right now, more than ever, the next generation needs adults in their life to show them this is what Christian courage looks like. Now more than ever, our students need parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts and adults in their church family to live out their faith in front of them. And when they do, when they say, this is why I love Jesus, this is why I follow him, these are the stones in my life, this is how God has changed me from the inside out. When you have those conversations, when you live out your faith in front of the next generation, it it injects courage into their hearts, and it sets them up for success. So today, parents, grandparents, adults here, I want to encourage you to think of some simple ways that you can show courage to the next generation. Maybe it's just a simple step as, as far as praying out loud in front of your family or reading the Bible together out loud in front of your kids or your grandkids or your nieces or nephews, whatever it is. Maybe it's inviting some families in your neighborhood to church. Maybe it's signing up to go on a trip with our student ministry or looking for opportunities to serve with our kids' ministry. Why? Why am I encouraging us to do this? Because Christian courage impacts the next generation. All right, one more point for us this morning. It's the fourth point, and it's this, is that Christian courage glorifies the God who saves. Christian courage glorifies the God who saves. Now we see Joshua and the people. They've made it through the Jordan River. They've made it to this city, Jericho, that they've spied on. This is the Jericho with the big walls, the one with the song that we sing about in Sunday school. And God is about to tell them, you're going to walk around until I give you the victory. 
So it says in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in, and the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. With its king and mighty men of valor, you shall march around the city, all the men of war, going around the city at once. Thus shall you do for six days. Now, this isn't what you would expect. You would expect if God said to Joshua, hey, you're strong, I've given you the city, now go and take it. Then what would they do? They would go and they would attack. They would go and run up inside. They would form some kind of plan to overthrow the city, to defeat the army in front of them. But God says, you're not going to do it that way. You're going to do it my way. In fact, you're going to do it the opposite way of what you would ever imagine. You're going to walk around the city in broad daylight, totally exposed to the enemy. And you're going to walk around again and again and again until I give you the victory. It says at the end of Joshua chapter 6, And at the seventh time when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within you shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab, the prostitute, and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. So the walls come down because the people do it God's way. He gives them the victory. They don't knock the walls down themselves. They don't overthrow the army by their own power. God knocks the walls down, and he gets all the credit. He gets all the glory for the victory. And he saves Rahab because of his great love towards sinners who repent. And so the last verse in this chapter says this. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was in all the land. So Joshua's courageous obedience glorified God. And everyone in the land knew about Joshua's God, and they knew about Joshua, the leader. And when they heard that name, Joshua, would have meant something to them. See, did you realize that Joshua was not born with the name Joshua? Joshua was born with a different name. Moses actually changed his name. It says in Numbers chapter 13, verse 16, it says, these were the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out on the land. Moses called Hoshea, the son of Nun, Joshua. And so just like so many other characters in the Bible, Joshua gets a name change, and it's a significant one. Because the name that he was born with, Hoshea, means salvation. But the name that he is given by Moses, Joshua, means Yahweh saves. And so his name goes from an acknowledgement that we need salvation. We are sinners in need of a savior to a pronouncement that Yahweh is the one who saves sinners. Our God is the God who saves. And when we live with courage, the kind of courage that comes from knowing that we are loved and that God is with us, then the world goes from an understanding that not only do we need salvation, but salvation is found in Jesus Christ alone. And so this morning, if you are here and you are not a Christian, then this God 
This God who saves wants to save you today. He's calling you to repent from your sin and to put your trust in Jesus Christ because he alone is the only way for us to be forgiven. And today, if you are a Christian here, I hope that you are reminded that you are loved, that God is with you, and that these truths fill you with courage so that you can live on mission for God, so that you can make an impact on the next generation, and so that you can glorify the God who saves. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for how you've made a way for us to be forgiven of our sin. Lord, we thank you that you are always with us and that you will always love us. No matter what we do, no matter how many times we turn away, your love continues to pursue us. And your spirit is always beside us. And so, Lord, help us to be people of courage. Help us to live today in a courageous way, a different way, so that the whole world would know that our God saves. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your grace through Jesus, and we pray this all in his name. Amen.